Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord today. Come on, let's rip, let's give him real worship. Hallelujah, he's worthy of it. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord here today. Amen. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classrooms, along with their teachers. Everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids. And everybody say, God bless the teachers. Amen. Praise God. And if we could turn open to the book of Mark chapter 1 and verse number 40. Wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord today. We have had a full weekend. Brother Russ and Sister Michelle got married on Friday. Amen. They're going to be celebrating their honeymoon this week. Praise God. And then uh, the men, we went out golfing yesterday. And that's why the men might be moving a little slower today. Hallelujah. At least I am. I don't know. There's something about that. I haven't quite figured it out, but I, I was trying. But uh, many, many good things happened yesterday, fun times, and uh, thankful to be a part of uh, this church and this fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen? Praise God. Now, there were some folks, they, they, they've obviously been out on the course a few times. Uh, Elder Johnson did real well. His team looked like they got the best score. And then uh, Brother Mike Barber, he did well as well. He won two different awards. And... Uh, I was just struggling to find where I, where I lost the golf ball, but amen. Praise God. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Feel the wonderful presence of God in this place, and I believe that God's going to speak to us, and I want to do my best to preach the word of the Lord. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. The Bible says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. This man showed up to Jesus, and he had a question in his mind. If thou wilt. Now that's old English for this question. Are you willing? And Jesus responded right back to him in kind. And he said, I will. Which is another way to say, I am willing. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. God's willing if you're willing. God's willing if you're willing. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this building. Come on, would you lift up your voice with us as we pray. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Come on, somebody lift up your voice. He's in this house. I believe that God wants to do something in this building for your life. God wants to turn something around. Hallelujah, maybe there's something you have need of. I believe that God can meet that need today. 
Oh, but God, we need you, Jesus. We need you. We can't do it by ourselves. Oh, Lord, we've, we've thought about it. We tried to do it, but God, we figured it out that if it isn't by the hand of the Lord, it's not going to be, God. And we're coming to you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody give them a hand clap of praise today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. God's willing if you are willing. Our text today opens up with a leper coming to Jesus. Before this leper can come to Jesus, we see the ministry of Jesus operating through the region. Jesus is going from city to city, from house to house. And as he goes, he is healing the sick. He is raising the dead. He is opening blinded eyes and he is unlocking deaf ears. Making the mute to be able to speak. Jesus is performing miracles, signs, and wonders everywhere that he goes. Jesus is getting a reputation as a miracle man, as a miracle worker. What's powerful about this is that everybody wanted Jesus to stay in their city. Wouldn't you want Jesus to stay where you are? Amen. I know I would. If I had that kind of encounter, I'd want him to just lodge and hang out and spend time right where he is and never go anywhere else. But what we learn is that Jesus' mantra is that he's not going to be stationary. He's not going to be stagnant. He's not going to stay in one place. Amen. I just might as well tell you here today that we serve a God that is a moving, living God. Amen. He's not a statue that you and I could set up in our home and he stays there permanently and does not move from that position. But we serve a God that moves from place to place, from person to person, from city to city, from church to church, from family to family. That ought to get somebody excited. Amen. Because that lets me know that God's come in your direction, that God wants to work in your life as well. Somebody clap your hands and shout with a voice of triumph. Amen. He's moving. God is consistently moving. But the reason that he's doing this is because when he enters the city, they bring all the disease and all the possessed and all those that are sick, and he heals them. And he delivers them. Amen. I want you to notice the track record of Jesus that when they bring people that need God, God does something. Amen. When they bring people that need healing, he heals them. When he bring people that need deliverance, he delivers them. It's, it's in his nature that when they come to him that he does something, that when they have a need, he supplies it. I'm, I'm going to get through to somebody here today that is wondering whether or not God can or whether or not God is willing or whether or not God is able. Amen. I want you to know that when God shows up, he doesn't show up to leave things the way they are, but he shows up to bring a change and a transformation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Even Jesus would show up and Peter would have a tax debt and Jesus would not leave him with that tax debt. Somebody say amen. Because Jesus is interested in making a change. Jesus is interested in transforming people. And when they bring these people, he's able to make a change in their life. They come sick and they leave healed. They come, amen, maybe on their deathbed or in a coffin and he resurrects them because that's what Jesus does. Amen. There's so many people have the wrong view of Jesus. They have the wrong perception of him that he just shows up and leaves things the way they are. But what's beautiful about this is Jesus goes into a city and he heals everybody that comes to him. And then he says, I've got to go to other cities as well. Because they've got sick people there and they've got hurt people there. And they've got diseased people there. And they got broke people there. Amen. I'm thankful that when God looks down at you and I, he doesn't see brokenness and he doesn't see uh, sickness and he doesn't see dysfunction and say, I better stay away from that because that's a little too much for me to handle. But when God sees broken people, he looks at them with compassion. Is anybody thankful that when he saw your life, he looked with compassion. That when he saw your busted self, he said, I want to change them. When God sees, come on somebody, when God sees all the dysfunction, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't turn away. He doesn't run away. He runs towards. Oh, somebody ought to love him for a moment. Somebody lift up your hands. I want to help somebody today. Hallelujah. God is not concerned about your dysfunctions. God is not concerned about your sickness. He's not afraid and he's not worried about it getting on him. He's looking at you and I with compassion. He says, I got to go to the other cities because if I can get to the other cities, I can heal them too. Because God's not an either or type of God. Either I heal them or I heal them. Either I bless them or I bless them. Come on, somebody. God's not an either-or type of God that only does it for one but not for the other. Hallelujah. He's no respecter of persons. Amen. If he did it for one, he can do it for another. If he's ever blessed you, he can bless your neighbor. If he's ever healed you, he can heal your neighbor. And you ought to testify with your praise and testify with your worship. That's the kind of God that I serve. Oh, somebody ought to shout and give him praise. I don't know what kind of God you serve, but the God I serve can do it for me and for you. He can bless us both. He can heal us both. He can deliver us both. Somebody ought to shout and give him praise. Jesus, his desire is to heal each and every hurt and to, and to touch each and every person. That's his desire. It's his compassionate nature. And he says, I'm going to go from city to city and I'm going to find those that are hurting. And, 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 and what's powerful about this is that when God gets done in a certain area, he moves on to the next. Which should help somebody here today that, that wants God to stay in one part of their life. And he, he, he's not allowed to move from that one area. I want you to know that when God gets done in that one area, he wants to progress to the next. 
if he delivered your mind he, and he's got it cleaned out, he's going to move to your heart. If he started in your heart, he's going to move to your mind. If he got your heart and your mind, he's going to move to the way you talk. If he's got your heart, your mind, and your way you talk, he's going to move to the way you live. If he's got the way you live, he's going to move to the way you dress. He's going to move to each and every area of your life. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. Because God won't leave you the way he found you in any area of your life. If it's broken, he'll fix it. If it's busted, he'll help it. Come on, somebody. He will not leave it. He will look on you with compassion and say, I'm going to that area as well. I'm going to that part of your heart as well. I'm going to that part of your past as well. I'm going to that part of your memory as well. And I'm going to transform it. And I'm going to heal it. And I'm going to deliver Somebody give him praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's not afraid to go to the areas that others would be afraid of. Jesus happens to walk certain paths that others won't walk. He meets a woman at a well in an area called Samaria that nobody else would go. He took a detour just to go be and talk and witness and minister to a woman that nobody else would talk to. I thank God for that. There's a lot of people who would have passed by, but Jesus comes right where we are. But he decides to go by this way, and he's entering into a city, and, and every city, in the, just about every city in those days had a, 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 an issue with leprosy. Had an area of their community that was exiled because they had they had leprosy and they weren't allowed to be part of the people. And, and you even see it in the Old Testament that the lepers like to hang outside the gate because lepers got to eat too. Lepers need money to get by too. And if they can't go into the city for commerce and they can't work with the merchants, if they can't get food, they're going to have to find it somewhere. And so the lepers would hang outside the gate at a, at a safe distance. And, and the Bible says that when Jesus shows up and he starts heading into the city, uh, Jesus starts walking right by uh, and there meets him there, uh, a man that is full of leprosy. This man that had a disease that was contagious that affects the nervous system and it starts to break down, amen, the flesh, amen, to the point where if you get a wound, you don't notice it and it starts to desensitize you and, and eventually you start to get gangrene and decay and, and you start to rot away. It's like being a living corpse, amen. That's why the Bible has an entire chapter on how to deal with leprosy in the Old Testament. It's a, it's a typology of sin and sin will erode erode your sense of judgment and it, it will erode and it works through your flesh and it, it will erode your sensitivity and this is why when people allow sin into their life, uh, amen, it starts to affect the way they communicate with God and it affects the way they communicate with one another and it breaks down relationships and people try to figure it out, how come this isn't working out for me? I'll tell you what it is. Uh, you got leprosy in your life and, 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 and the Bible is very clear about these lepers. They're they're not allowed in the city. They're not allowed around normal people. But what I love about this is that Jesus is not disgusted by the leper. Somebody ought to give him praise. 
Jesus is not disgusted by the leper, much like the religious of his day would have been. They would have stayed as far away as humanly possible. But not only does Jesus walk by the way of the leper, amen, he comes right close to the leper, amen, close enough to be able to lay his hand on a, an infected individual, on an infected leper, and he did it because he had compassion on this leper. I'm trying to preach to somebody about the heartbeat of God. Amen. God, if you only knew how disgusting it was, amen, what was operating in my life, you'd stay as far away as possible. There are people that you showed up to church today and you have cried, unclean, unclean, unclean. Leave me alone, Jesus. I'm too filthy. I'm too dirty. I'm too messed up. I'm too dysfunctional. Why don't you just stay where you are? But I I've got news for you. He's coming to where you are too. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. Can I preach the heart of Jesus? It's with compassion. He comes to where we are. It's with compassion. He shows up to our mess. It's with compassion. He says, I can do something with them. Oh, somebody love him. Oh, somebody love him here today. Come on, I feel him in this house. Somebody lift up your voice and give him praise. Come on. Somebody lift up your voice. There's nothing too filthy. God won't come by and help you. There's nothing too dirty. There's nothing too dysfunctional, decayed, dying, just just dismembered. He'll come to where you are. Oh, no, Jesus, not me. I've... I've become disfigured now. I've become dismembered. I've lost parts of myself that I'll never get back. And I've done things that I'm not proud of. And there's people that can understand what I'm preaching today. But Jesus still gets close to those kind of people. I love that, man. I love that he gets close to people that are as dysfunctional as we are. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. I came to call sinners. He said, I didn't come to help the healthy, but I came to help those that are sick. Amen. I want you to know that sometimes it's the brokenness that gets God closer to you in the first place. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Sometimes it's what you lack that gets God in your life. Sometimes it's what you don't have that draws God closer to you with compassion because he knows, amen, that both of us will recognize you can't do it by yourself. Oh, somebody preach with me. Hallelujah. And the people that can say, I've got it all figured out, he's like, okay, I'll go on to the next place and I'll move on to the next city. But those of us that got a revelation, there's always going to be an area in my life that needs God. There's always going to be an area in my heart that needs God. And I, so don't pass by and don't leave. You just go ahead and do a little circle and find another part of me that needs to be changed. Oh, somebody ought to preach with me and say amen. Somebody ought to shout with a voice of triumph. He's coming to where you are. This leper shows up. He's a leper. And then there's Jesus. And that's really how it is. I know everybody likes to act like they got it all together. There's only two categories. Lepers and Jesus. (laughs) 
No, no, I'm dignified, respectable, political-like. No, you're not. You're a leper. Yeah, yeah. There's only two kinds, dysfunctional and Jesus. Well, never, I'm not dysfunctional at all. Well, your dysfunction is you can't recognize how dysfunctional you are. Your problem is you don't know you have problems. Your issue is you don't know you have issues. Because there's really only two types. There's Jesus and the leper. But here's the good news. The leper can be in Jesus. If any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creature. You can have dysfunction, but you can get in Jesus. You can, have bad, you can have a bad past, but you can get in Jesus. You can be a leper, be unclean, and be dismembered, disfigured, and all sorts of mess. And if you can get in Jesus, it turns it all around. It's only really two types, and everybody likes to act like they've got it all together, but we're all messed up. Some of us are just willing to admit it. And people like this leper have no problem living They've lived like this long enough. They know how dysfunctional they are. They know how unclean they are. In fact, they know so well because they have to admit it every single day. But those are the people Jesus heals. The ones that admit they need healing. You know who God delivers? The people that admit they need deliverance. He sets free those that understand I've got shackles on my hands and on my feet and in my soul. And if God doesn't deliver me, I'm going to stay chained up for life. Those are the kind of people that God delivers. That's why you came into this house. I want to tell you what kind of church Apostolic Revival Center is. It's a church where you can be delivered. It's a church where you can be liberated. It's a church where you can be healed. It's a church where your family can be put back together. But it's also a church that's willing to be honest and say, yes, we might have a little bit of problem here, a little problem there. But if we can get in Jesus, it'll all disappear. If we can get in Jesus, all things will pass away. All things will become new. We might have dysfunction, but if I can get in Jesus and get the Holy Ghost, everything changes. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. Come on, let's love him. Let's love him. This leper admits it every day. I'm dysfunctional. I've got leprosy. I've got problems. There's nothing that can fix it. And the Bible says that this leper comes to Jesus and beseeches him. He gets to the point where he's begging Jesus. Even gets down on his knees. Amen. I heard that. Been there. Praise God. There's only people get healed. Been there. And he gets down on his knees, and he starts asking a question. Are you willing to cleanse me? There's actually three main questions that people ask in their mind to try and to avoid disappointment when it comes to God. Because this leper had been conditioned for disappointment. He had become convinced of his hopelessness because there's only been one person, same in, uh, the name of the Syrian, that had ever been healed of leprosy. 
He was, there was no hope for him at this point. He knew he had a death sentence on his life, but thank God Jesus showed up. He knew it was hopeless. He'd been disappointed because he knew there's nothing that could change it. No doctor can do this. There's, there's nothing that could fix this. But, but at the same time, uh, he starts asking questions we all ask. Uh, here's one of the first questions we all ask. Uh, are you ready, God? Or if I could put it in terminology, we would all use. Uh, is it God's timing when we have a need? Uh, we ask the question, uh, is it God's timing to answer my need, uh, to fulfill my request is it really God's timing anybody ever asked that one I just want to know is it God's timing see it might be your time but I don't know if it's my time it might be time for you to get it but it might not be my season and we start going through it in our mind and the reason we ask this question in our own mind we don't even ask it to God we ask it to ourselves so we don't even ask him out of the wrong out in the wrong season we never want to ask God at the wrong time you see, people were raised, and the way they were raised, they would go to their parent, and they would ask, and they realized timing was everything. So they take that into their walk with God, and they ask, uh, is it a good time? Is it a good time to talk to Jesus? Is it a good time to ask God to help me? Is it a good time or should I wait another month? Is it a good time to go to the altar or should I wait a couple years? Amen. I want to tell you something about God. God is outside of time. I'll get you in a moment. God's outside of time. God is eternal. And we take human terms like time and we apply it to God as if, amen, my prayer request being answered tomorrow would be easier than him answering it today. As if it would be easier for God to do it next year. And I'll put it off and ask about it later. And I'll bring it before him, amen, a couple months from now, a couple weeks from now. As if somehow that's going to make it easier for God to take care of it. What we're really doing is we're trying to stay back from our disappointments that we've had in life. Oh, I came to preach to somebody in the Holy Ghost. God is not bound by time. God is outside of time. And it's no more difficult for him to do it now than it is for him to do it then. Can I preach it the way I feel it? So you might as well ask him now and not worry about whether it's God's timing. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. This leper was not going to ask the question of whether it was God's timing. And every one of us, if we want to get what we need from God, we've got to get beyond this question. Because this leper, he wasn't worried about God's timing. Because he showed up when Jesus started walking into the city. And before he could get to the city, he paused Jesus and said, Hold on, I'm not worried about what time it is. I need you to do something in my life. Amen. In other words, he had a revelation. It does it doesn't matter what the day is. It just matter who's in front of me. It Can I preach it? It doesn't matter if it's Sunday and everybody's shouting with you or it's Monday afternoon and the boss just got done yelling at you and demoting you. You can lift up your hands and you can ask God to help you in that moment. Don't let this weird, this idea, this concept of having to ask whether it's God's timing stop you from asking God for help. 
Don't let your idea, because what will happen is we'll project onto God what we think is a good timing. And sometimes we put the timing too short or too long. Too short and we get disappointed. Too long so we don't. And we put it on God Well, sometime in the next 30 years, Lord. Let God out of the time clock. Amen. Out of the time box, if I could put it that way. Let God out of time out. Hallelujah. Amen. Where it's no longer about time because we will use time. Amen. And we will determine based on time. Let me prove it to you. We will base it on the season. How's my season doing right now? Well, uh, I feel pretty good, so I might as well ask him for help. Hallelujah. But the truth is you can ask God for help whether you're doing well or whether you're not doing well. Because God's not bound by time. Amen. In fact, it doesn't matter what time it is. If you need a healing in your body, I'll tell you how God operates. Amen. God who is outside of time is able to step into your time and change it. He could, do it one of, he could do it one of a billion different ways. You could have sickness in your body, and God, who's outside of time, could go all the way back through your genealogy to your great-grandfather, where the first set of DNA that became mutated, amen, was ever in your bloodline, and he could, he could mend it right then, and you could be sitting in church today while I'm preaching, and all of a sudden, like the woman with the issue of blood, you just know something changed in you. He's got more than one way to skin a cat. He can go to heaven where there is no sickness and pull that healing right into your present. Time does not bind God, but we use time to bind our prayers. Time doesn't hinder God, but we use time to hinder our requests. But we've got to let time go and say, what doesn't matter what time it is, I'm going to go before Jesus and I'm going to say, God, I need you. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify Come on, let's pray all across the building. Come on, let's pray in this house. Did you know it can happen for you today? It can happen for you right now. You can get your requests right now because God's ready. Don't ask questions. We've got to let the questions go. Is it God's timing? Because God is always amen, outside of time, and God can always be ready. Well, maybe I should get saved next year. Today is the day of salvation. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. There's something about the now where God can make this moment be the moment. Another question we ask God, and it's one of the questions that I want to deal with, but I want you to notice that, that this, this leper had avoided and had conquered two out of three of these questions. The first question he conquered is, are you ready? He didn't wait for God to be ready. He was there meeting Jesus at the, at the gate of the city. The second question we ask is, God, are you able? Well, not me. I'm a Christian. I believe all things are possible through Christ Jesus. Okay. Are you able? And what's powerful about this is that so many people ask this in a very Christian way. We like to change it up. I know you're able to do it for them. But when it's about me, it's a little different. 
I got faith for you, but I don't know if I got faith for me. Okay, let's bring it down. Is God able to use your busted self? Because a lot of people, they may not mention it in words, but they're really asking the question, is God able to use me? Is God able to forgive me after what I just did? Come on, somebody. Don't get quiet on me now because I'm preaching right where you're living. After everything and the mess I made uh, and how much my flesh stinks as a leper, uh, is God still able to use me? Oh, we've got mercy. Uh, we got mercy for the drug addict coming off the streets. Uh, but what about the person uh, that for a season in their life, uh, they fell away and they didn't live the way they should and they didn't live according to what they knew. And we got faith and we'll... I can prove it because uh, when Brother Prado was preaching, uh, amen, we've got faith for drug addicts to be delivered. Uh, we got faith and we say God's able, especially if we've never been on drugs. Uh, amen, we got faith for everybody else. Uh, but as Brother Prado preached last week, uh, he started talking about putting your mind back together and everybody got quiet. Uh, he started talking about God being able to put marriages back together and everybody goes, I don't know about that. Everybody, He can bless you. Uh, he can help you. And everybody said, well, hold on. Do we really believe that? That's a good Christian way of saying the question, is God able? But I've come to let you know that whatever you fill in the blank, God is able. God is able. Somebody ought to shout it with me. God is able. God is able. As crazy as it seems, God can fix things that aren't as extreme as alcoholism and drug addiction. He can also fix your mental state. God can fix the fact that you're backslidden in your heart and he'll still use you. God can take your lukewarm self and set you on fire again because God is able. Somebody ought to shout and give God praise. We all get hung up on the question, is God able? For me, is God able? But the word of the Lord declares, now unto him that is able. We ain't talking to him that is not able. Because that's me. That's you. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Not what your neighbor can ask or think. In other words, God is not only able to do anything, for with God all things are possible. Then with, with, with him nothing shall be impossible. But even if you can't think it, he's able to do it. In other words... Your inabilities do not limit God. Your limited capacity does not mean God has a limited capacity. Just because you can't dream it doesn't mean God doesn't have a dream for you. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean God doesn't have vision for you. God is able. Somebody ought to shout and give him praise. And this leper showed up to Jesus and said, I know you're able. Because that's one. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to everybody. 
But here's the one that trips up 99.9% of all of us. We might even get enough faith to believe it can happen today. We might even get enough faith to believe that God is in fact able to do anything. There's something about coming to church and hearing preaching and hearing worship and it lifts your spirits and it encourages you in the Lord and all of a sudden you feel like David, I can run through a troop and I can leap over a wall. Anybody ever been there? Where are them walls of Jericho at? I can take them down right now in this now moment because with God all things are possible. I want those walls to fall down. We've got our sling and our stone. We're looking for that old devil, that old giant Goliath. We're looking for that old serpent snake, the devil, right in these moments right now. But even in a charged atmosphere like this, full of faith and the Spirit of God, there is still a lingering question, amen, that comes over our minds and it hinders us from receiving everything God has for us. And it's the question, are you willing? I know you can, whether it's now or next year, but I've still got a question hanging over my head like a dark cloud. God, are you willing to help me? I know you can help me. I know you can help me right now, but I want to know, would you even consider helping somebody like me? Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. I'm just about done preaching, but I've come to preach. Amen. This leper has a mentality that many of us are being held back by right now. Are you willing, God? Are you willing? I know you're able. I know that you could do it right now, but I just want to know, would you dare to do it for someone like me? Somebody lift up your hands. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray all across the building. Some of you have asked that question this week. Let's pray. Are you willing? Is it God's will? Is it God's will? If it was God's will, come on, you've been praying that all week long. You've been enduring things, asking the question, is it God's will? You've been suffering for so long because you questioned, amen, maybe this is the will of God. You've been going through it because you, you got this mindset, it must be God's will for me. Come on, let's pray all across the building. Somebody pray in this house. In the name of Jesus. So many of us have been bound up by this question. Are you willing? And the, the hard part about this question is we don't ask it to God. We ask it to ourselves. Is it God's will? And we sit back and we ponder. Come on, I'm not the only one that's done this. Are you willing? Would God be willing? And what we're really doing is we're trying to hedge our bets against disappointment. 
I don't, I don't want disappointment. I'm so afraid that I'll be disappointed that it was, quote, unquote, not God's will, uh, that I'm afraid to even ask the question. Uh, and, 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 and so I, I, I'd rather just endure this. I'd rather suffer through this. Amen. Because at least then I won't be disappointed that it, somewhere or somehow, amen, that I was wrong about God's will. But let me just preach to somebody for a moment. What does God's will matter in light of your will to ask him? Let me ask that question again. What does the will of God matter when he gave you and I a will to ask? In other words, whether he says yes or no is irrelevant to me enacting my will and asking him on my knees, God, would you help someone like me? It doesn't matter what his will is because you have a will as well and your will should not be impeded by some idea of what you conceive God's will to be or not to be. You ought to pray the biggest prayers whether God accepts them or not. We ought to ask God for great things whether he says yes or whether he says no. We ought to have the faith to say God whether you're willing or not I'm going to ask oh somebody lift up your hands and let's pray let's stand across the building let's pray there's somebody that needs to stop worrying about whether it's God's will and start using your will to ask him for help is it God's will for me to be healed? And we use that question as an excuse not to ask him to heal us. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't get quiet on me now. I'm preaching right where people are living. Well, it might not be the will of God. Well, it's not up for you to decide. Don't decide the will of God for God. Last time I checked, he's sovereign, which means he operates and he, ru he rules without anybody ruling over him. Amen. He operates in his own operation. Amen. His spirit moves how his spirit wants to move. Amen. He's not tamed by anybody, controlled by anybody. And if God so chooses to do something, there's nothing you and I could do to stop him from doing it. But there's one area where God will not, amen, put his will over our will. I'll prove it. The Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But we know a lot of people that have not come to repentance. Come on. We see in Revelation chapter 21, uh, there's going to be people, amen, that will be thrown into a lake of fire. So what is it? Is it God's will that none should perish but that all should come to repentance? Uh, amen. There's a peace that we're missing, uh, and it's called the will of man. Oh, hallelujah. There's some folks uh, that have yet to get their life under subjection, uh, amen, and under God uh, because they're, they're questioning whether or not it's the will of God for them to go to heaven. Uh, if you want to know what God wills, uh, God wills that all people should be saved, uh, but people decide and use their will to not be saved. 
Come on. For God so loved the world, not a couple people in the world, the whole world. God wants to save the whole world. But the issue is, out of 8 billion people, how many of them are going to accept and enact their will and say, God, I'm willing because I know that you're willing to save me. How many people could be healed today if they say, God, I'm willing to ask for a healing? How many sick people were in the Bible that never got healed? Come on, somebody. How many people were in the, are in the scriptures that never got a miracle? There are innumerable companies, 5,000, not including women and children, that sat around Jesus. How many of them needed something from God? No doubt these three questions went through their mind. Some would even be, some of them had to be even been taught who sinned, the mother or the father, that this man should be born blind. They were taught it was the will of God you were broken. Come on, somebody. That's why some folks have never asked for God to touch them in a certain area because they truly believe they were cursed by God somehow. Let me break through that for a moment. God didn't curse you. God didn't curse you. Amen. If he cursed us, amen, then why would he come to save us? Amen. I want to tell you what happened. Sin entered into the world and death by sin. There are curses that come from sin, but they didn't come from God. God never cursed you to be the way you are. There's a whole generation out there saying, God made me this way. I'm sorry, but God doesn't make drug addicts, and God doesn't make prostitutes, and God doesn't make homosexuals. Sexuals. Amen. That is a choice, and that is something that happened because sin entered into the world. But I will tell you, in spite of what sin did to you, there's a God that's willing to save you. There's a God that's willing to deliver you. There's a, there's a God that's willing to set you free. This man asked the question. I showed up here. And in this now moment, and I interrupted where you are going, Jesus. And I know that you can make me clean. I know you're able. But I want to know what kind of God I serve. Are you willing? Because, Jesus, my whole life I've had people that were not willing to even get close to me. My whole life I've had people that if I ever came within 20 feet of them would run away because I was a leper. But Jesus looked on him with compassion and said, let me show you how willing I am. Man had probably been touched in several years because of leprosy. And Jesus said, I, I'm not afraid of your sickness. Can I preach to somebody? I'm not afraid of your dysfunctions. I'm not afraid of your inadequacies. I'm not afraid of all the areas where you feel dirty and you feel unclean. Let me show you just how unconcerned I am with where you currently are. But let me also show you how willing I am to change your life forever. 
Jesus said, I am willing. Be thou clean. And he laid his hand on a leper. There's so many people that think God, they put on God things that they've got going through their mind. I'm too dirty for God. As if you would make God dirty. Last time I checked, soap makes you clean. You don't make soap dirty. Last time I checked, Clorox disinfects. It doesn't get infected. Let me just say this. This is for free. There's, there's some church folk that don't want to be around nobody that's, that's a sinner. Because they're afraid they're going to get sick. If you got a weak spiritual immune system that you're going to get sick, that the moment somebody cusses around you, <gasps> leprosy. Sinners. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Praise God. All right, whatever works, brother, that's cool. Let me teach you about Jesus. I'll tell you why. Because what we got is more contagious than what they got. Somebody ought to shout it. What we got is stronger than what they got. The sin they got is nothing compared to the Holy Ghost that I got. Jesus laid his hand on him because he knew, I'm going to touch you and I'm not going to get sick. You're going to get better. That's a revelation for Apostolic Revival Center. The church isn't going to get worse when sinners come in. Sinners are going to get better. He touched him. He said, I will be thou clean. I want to show you how willing he was. He wasn't afraid to touch him. He said, hey, I don't even care if everybody excommunicates me from the temple. Because you lived your whole life with a question whether you were worth working on, whether God would ever consider to help somebody like you. But I know, I want to just tell somebody, we need to elevate our view about Jesus. Let me say that again. We need to elevate our view of Jesus. He's a lot more forgiving than we give him credit for. Last time I checked, uh, he was on a cross, uh, and they tried to put bitter vinegar in his mouth uh, when he asked for water, and he was thirsty. Uh, and while he got bitterness when he should have gotten aqua, amen, uh, they took this, uh, and, and, and he could have gotten bitter over it. Uh, but let me tell you how forgiving he is. Uh, in spite of them doing all this to him, uh, he said, Father, forgive them. Uh, they know not what they do, uh, and you're concerned of whether or not God's willing to forgive you. Uh, I want to tell you, if you're willing to ask him for forgiveness you don't need to question any longer whether he's willing he's willing if you're willing well I don't know if God wants to heal me these signs shall follow them that believe they shall lay hands on the sick and they maybe might say it again with a little more authority shout come on somebody shout there's got to be a little more there. Right, well, what happens if I lay hands on them? They don't get sick. That's not my problem. That's his problem. I lay hands on them in faith, and they shall recover. How willing is God to, how willing is God to heal you? 
Isaiah chapter 53. With his stripes, we are We're not talking about cat scratch. We're talking about cat of nine tails that ripped onto his flesh shards of pottery and clay that ripped flesh out of his side. That's how willing he is to heal you. I'll take the whippings. I'll take the beatings. The Bible says he was bruised for our iniquities. Come on, how willing is God to help you with your iniquity? He took every beating, every bruise, and didn't even open up his mouth. What about those that are anxious and stressed out? The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. How willing is God to give you peace today? God is willing, if you're willing, to ask God. Help me. I want us to lift up our hands. I'm done preaching. Come on, somebody pray. You know exactly what you've been struggling with. How willing is God? Young man, how willing is God to deliver you of pornography? The Bible says they took a crown of thorns and they pierced his head and his brow ran with blood. Amen. And he died on a place called Gotha, which is a place of the skull. He wants to liberate your mind. He's willing if you're willing. I want to open up this altar. I want you to come, but I don't want you to come questioning whether he can do it now or whether he can do it or whether he is willing. I want you to come to this deal, this altar and say, God, I know you're willing, so therefore I'm going to make my request known. God, because you're willing, I'm going to ask you to help me. Because you're willing to forgive me, I'm going to ask for it. Because you're willing to bless me, I'm going to ask for it. Because you're willing to liberate me, I'm going to ask for it. Somebody pray. Come on, somebody pray right now. He's willing. We need to be delivered of this once and for all. God is willing to help you. God is willing to help you. God is willing to help you. Yes, God will help the drug addict, but he'll also help the saint of God. Yes, God will help those that are coming out of the world, but he'll also help a saint of God. Come on, he's willing. He's willing. He's willing. He's willing. If you knew God was willing, what would you ask for? If you knew God was willing, what would you pray for? If you knew God was willing, what would you call out for? Come on, somebody pray in the Holy Ghost.
Somebody just ask him. Just ask him. Don't think what's the worst that could happen. Think what's the best that could happen. Somebody ask him right now. Just ask him. Just ask him. 